Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today, friends, we have another exciting guest on our podcast. His name is Mike, and he's going to talk to us about the 28th Amendment. So welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thank you. Glad to be here. Friends, today we are here. It's the mentality that the show must go on. I am in Austin, Texas, and we have had a drought this summer. Except for this week, we are having lots of rain. And because we like to have the show must go on, it's raining. So if you hear that in the background, that's what's going on. And we're going to record regardless of what's going on out there. So, Mike, if you can, if you can kindly get started by giving an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Okay. My name is Mike Turcott. I'm, I live up in Maine. Um, I am a uh, have a graduate of uh, Xavier University in organizational leadership and uh, Spring Hill College in Mobile uh, with leadership and ethics. I am currently a caregiver. I was a ethics professor at the local community college, and I also um, uh, am, been involved in the in the redistricting and voter uh, alternative program for about uh, 12 years now. In okay. 2011, I filed suit against the uh, redistricting commission in, in Maine because uh, it was just controlled by uh, political parties and no alternatives were invited. And um, Maine has the largest, the largest voting block is unenrolled. Oh. Or independents, we call them. But so uh, what I'm here to talk about is the uh, the 28th Amendment, which the proposed 28th Amendment, which was basically uh, um, it's a congressional, not necessarily term limits, but time limits on service. And I am looking to put an amendment about that. Uh, People can serve up to 24 years in not only the House and Senate, but also in the Supreme Court. And uh, the, you know, it's it's except for the case where somebody is elected to the Senate in the 22nd year of their service, where they get to go to 28 years. Uh, um. The idea is just basically to. Uh, I've noticed in the last few years that there's been a lot of, um, I'm not going to say dead weight, but there's a, a point where you look at uh, some of these centers currently, and uh, Diane Feinstein has been in there for a long time, but she's 90, and and Fine. it's, are you going to leave, or, you know, a lot of, another one was, uh Senator from Alabama, Shelby, he was in there for a number of years. Mitch McConnell is another one. So there's currently right now, there's, uh, I'm sorry, do you mind if I keep going here? Oh, this is good. Currently right now in the Senate, there's uh, about 18 or 10 to 18 people who have served over 24 years. And in the House, there's 28. And... um, in the Senate, there's 15 of them are over 75. In the House, there's 36 as far as age-wise. 
But, you know, where most Americans retire at 65, there's uh, 51 in the Senate that are over 65 and 127 in the House. Ah. And as, so as far as the Supreme Court is, is that uh, obviously Thomas is the, the longest serving. He's been there for uh, 31 years. So Thomas was nominated when Reagan was the president. So kind of gives you an idea. And then uh, Roberts and Alito are both 17 years in right now. Yeah. And then Joe Biden was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 1972. Oh my! So, so we're looking at that. You know, okay, you've done your you've done your bid for God and country, and I think it's time to, you know, as Jeff, uh, Kennedy said, pass the torch to the next generation. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's what I'm. You know, I'm working on a uh, on my. Facebook page, the 28th Amendment. It uh, it basically just states out uh, states, you know, withstanding individuals elected or and are holding office prior following the ratification date of this amendment by three quarters of the states, any individual elected to either both the House, either or both the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate shall serve except when elected office term ends afterwards. No more than 18 cumulative term-defined calendar years. So this was originally 18 here, but I bumped it up to 24 because it it it, it is half your elected or half it is half the work life of an average American. So if an American ah. starts at 16 or 18, it you know it's half your half that time, and it's. The idea was just to kind of get um, you know, America's best when it keeps reinventing itself. So okay. there is some wisdom at uh, there is wisdom at in the, you know when you're been elected for you know some people start in their state houses or like Diane Feinstein was the uh, mayor of San Francisco. There is wisdom there, but then there also is attitudes that were set back. 20 or 25 or 30 years ago that don't necessarily reflect the attitudes or the culture of the society right now. So uh, sure. my my whole thing was just to try to say, okay, you, you, you've done your bit, let's, let's move on. Let's keep going. And now it's gotten to the point where with congressional redistricting and the amount of money uh, raised that it's almost impossible to get especially down south and some of these senators, it's almost impossible to get them out of office unless they retire. So Shelby last year retired. Um, oh, finally. And, you know, and then some of the other things that show up for me is that one case in particular was Robert Byrd of West Virginia. He was in the office for almost since 1948, and then he, after his 56th or 52nd year, he finally passed away, so he died in office. But he was in a wheelchair. He had to have somebody help him. And then what you have then is a situation where the chief of staff is essentially the quasi-senator. Yeah. And because they, they're so incapacitated. And this has shown up sometimes in Supreme Court justices where they're just – they are – 
you know, they have that lifelong con that lifelong position, and yet some of them don't know when to leave. And yeah. so this is more later on. And I and I granted that the the average lifetime of a person goes up to is keeps extending outward to sure. seventy two or seventy three now, seventy four. Um, so it made sense back in the 18th century, 19th century, when you when Supreme Court justices were appointed, that they would be there for life because it would be less political. But that's when, you know, an average lifespan, if you made it to 55 or 60, it was a miracle back then. So, um, so modern technology and medicine have made it so people can live longer, but at the same time, we have to look at, you know, in service, yeah, you can be there forever, but do you really need to be there forever? Are you doing your constituents um, the best service if you don't have the energy level that you had when you first were elected to office, don't have it now, as opposed to when you were first elected to office? So, um, you know, Mitch McConnell doesn't want to retire because Democrat the governor in Kentucky so he'll obviously point a Democrat. So part of point, he said he was going to point, uh, no, Gavin Newsom of California said he was going to point a woman of color as an interim uh, senator if Dianne Feinstein retired. So the person had to be interim. So, um, that's, the, that's the amendment. Um, I, I've done this. I've also worked on alternatives to um, um, presidential primaries. Uh, oh. Come up, come up with a uh, situation, uh, a, a voter participation index where uh, goes order of primaries is based on what your turnout was in the midterms what your state's turnout was in the midterms and also what how many people are registered to vote during the midterms. Okay. So, you know, out of total population. So, uh, right now, I don't know if you want to get into that. If you've got any questions, I'm kind of overloading you here. So. Okay. Yes, I do have questions. I, I can see somebody possibly objecting to your proposal because on the basis of age and wisdom, they could say that somebody, we want older people in office because they have wisdom. We don't want somebody who's 22 to be elected to office, and that's why they like the founders. They've made the minimum ages. So how would you respond to someone thinking along those lines? Well, that, that I can I can get that, and I, I'm not trying to point this out as ageism in particular, but... Um, you know, there's a responsibility of a person in office. If you've got 24 years to leave your mark and do what you need to do and do what you want to do, can you do that in 24 years and then leave? Enough time, huh? Yeah, and that should be enough time. But then again, that is a sweet position. If you think about it, you're one of 100 people in a country of 320 million. Sure, or you're one yeah. of you know, you're one of 435. So the the situation then becomes is well, am I here for because I can help, or am I here because 
um, um, I just like the gig. And there's some people, and, and Bill Marg pointed out that uh, Waxman of California, he was there for 30 years, but he was he was a guy who kept himself out of the spotlight, but he was a grinder. He went in there and did the work and, and did the pass the legislation and, and, you know, worked with members of Congress. But, you know, the average person in the House of Representatives right now is 57 years. The average person in um, the average Democrat, I'm looking here on corn, is uh, in the House leadership is 72 years. I mean, oh my. Are, are you looking at, at, you know, Nancy Pelosi's in her eighth, and Nancy Pelosi has done very well for herself in Congress. But I'm going to go again with, do you want the energy level of Barack Obama or do you want the energy level at 55 or 54 when he was in office, when his 50s, or do you want the energy level of somebody who's in their 80s? That office was, you know, apparently is, you're under a microscope for 16, 18 hours a day pumping out. And so, yes, there is an age thing that there is age with wisdom or wisdom with age. But if you're empathic and, you know, you have a, a level of, um, of, you know, awareness of, of what, your, what your cause and effect are, then um, emotional, uh, or emotional intelligence, that you can understand the big picture. Because it's really, you know, there's a lot of egos in Congress and there's a lot of people, there's some, there's, not many of the people show up who are just the ones like, you know, I've done my bit here. Okay. And, you know, you look at um, uh, the senator from Iowa. He's been there for, he's, he's 90 years old now. And at 90, most people are, um, you know, I, I, like I said, it's not an ageism issue. It's the energy level that the country needs to survive or the energy level at the the country needs to function at a high level. And, yes, I can see a lot of people say, well, you know, that's ageism. But, you know, if Barack Obama, if the 25th Amendment wasn't there and Barack Obama had, was available to run again next year, you know, how many people would go into that? Or George Bush or any other president in the age of 50s? The 60s when they get out. Yeah. So, so you, you think know, 50, the, 50 years of age is a good, happy medium where people have enough wisdom yet they still have energy? Right. I think that that shows up. And, and like I said, I'm going to be accused of all kinds of, you know, discriminatory practice here, but there's a level of intentionality that you need to bring to the, to the position. And that Energy or intentionality shows up in your staff. Okay. And, and it says, okay, this guy wants to look at Bernie Sanders. He's in his 80s, but um, who's the next Bernie Sanders? Who's the next Elizabeth Warren? One of the things I noticed about boomers and leadership is that they don't really cultivate the next generation. Huh. And, you know who's who's going to replace Bernie Sanders? Is there anybody in the in the House or Senate that's going to step up and say, "Hey, there's Katie Porter out in California, 
and now she's running for Senate. If she loses to um, the gentleman from uh, Adam Schiff, okay, what's her role then? Do you lose that voice now? And so you know, if, if, if you have a, a situation where somebody's in their 70s or 80s and they don't want to be bothered, are their staff member saying, well, I'm not going to bring that to them right now? This slight thing that shows up, you know, and, it's, and then, like I said, if you can't get what you want done in 24 years, are you really an effective, this is kind of a, a fallacy, but are, are you there to do what you said you were going to do? Are you there just to occupy a spot? Because it's a good gig. Interesting. Yeah, that's good accountability. So since this, you're talking about this being a 28th Amendment, that's not going to affect anything at the local or state level, is it? No, it's just the, the Congress. Okay. So do you see that also as a problem at the local and state levels, or do you think it's a Problem mostly at the federal level. I think it's mostly at the federal level. We do have uh, term limits here in Maine, and you know, okay. we only run for four terms. You know, each term for senator and and we representative is two years. The problem with that is that you know, there's a senator or a representative up in in northern Maine who's basically been on and off as a representative for 30 years. Uh, and you know he he wields a lot of power, but the thing that the, the you know my senator Angus King wrote back to me when I sent this to him was you know I I shouldn't have I should have vetoed the term limits because it just has this rotational thing to it. So the proposal that Ted Cruz was sending out about term limits was like three for representatives and two for senators. That's too short because especially for representatives. Because you know, it's 435 minds that you got to convince to get to something that you want to do, and the 24 years, like I said, if you can get it done by then, you're done. Your, you're done your debt. So, um, anyway, go ahead. Interesting. So, with that one in Maine, your it's not consecutive. They, as long as the terms are not consecutive, they can run indefinitely. Right. So, if somebody wants to go in the house, if somebody goes in the house in five years and they get defeated, like you know, let's look at this classic example: Richard Nixon lost his presidential bid in '60, but came back in '68. You know, there are people who who uh, run, and then they just, you know, there's a saying that there's no second act in politics, but it's sometimes this kind of opens up the second act because some people may go back and say, you know, you were there for 15 years or, or, or 16 or 14 years and you run for Senate. Their party may ask them to run for Senate. And, you know, there's another six or 12 years after that. So, um, you know, there's the, the idea is then that it's just a 24, 24 calendar years of service. So, so any position, right? So it, it cover all positions, right? Right, any combination. I mean, it's okay. you know somebody can be in that. Look at Barack Obama. He was he wasn't even a U.S. senator for two years, then he ran for uh, president. Now he's you know he's done. Um, but Ted Cruz has got uh, he wants two 
six-year terms for U.S. Senator and three for Congress. And the point of, or yeah, the point of that was when somebody asked Adams, or I think it was Adams or one of their founding fathers, of how long these people can serve. You know, they weren't looking at 50 years like Senator Byrd or, or even 24 years because they didn't think anybody would want to do the traveling, especially from Georgia to, or you know, or any Kentucky over to the U.S. to Washington D.C. because there was no trains, you, and your age group was only, you know, the the length of the the length of your life is going to be no more than average to 50 or, or 55. So the idea then is just to kind of, uh, okay, medicine, modern medicine has done a great job of extending the life, but at the same time, if I'm an individual to serve, if I can't get what I need to get done in 24 years, maybe it's time that I need to let somebody else give it a shot. Oh. All right, I, I've done my, I've done my, I've tried, I've done my best. Okay, I'm best served by getting the next generation to come in, or the next oh. leaders to step up. So it encourages people to focus, right? What's that? It encourages people to focus, so they don't drift in office space. It makes them get an agenda and or do what they want according to the constituents instead of sit there. So it seems like it's gives you motivation to get moving when you're in office. And I think a lot of the, the party politics now is, well, can we hold that seat? Yeah. You know, you know, um, Shelby of Alabama was in there for a long time. Let me look it up. But he was in there for quite a while. But, you know, if you're a Republican in Alabama, you're pretty much set to have um, to be in office once you get in. Um, unless you retire or somebody else, you go on to a better gig, but in the private sector. But the the idea then is, well, we have this, this faith of, uh, of um, you know, Shelby retired in 89. You know, I'm, I'm, my dad's 89, and I'm, he's on hospice, and I'm taking care of him. So it's, like I said, there's, he was in the U.S. Senate from 1987 to 2023, which is roughly 36 years. My senator here up in Maine said she was only going to run, uh, Susan Collins said she was only going to run for two terms. She's now on her fifth. So it's tough for voters to hold people accountable when they're, when the base is just going to keep putting people back in office. Sure. The, the political base. So, you know, this is kind of a, a this is kind of a, a unique thing, but I think it's, you know, it's not public service. It's, it's kind of it's more public service and less career politicians. Okay, good. So since it's unique, has there been any other countries who have tried anything like this? I don't think so. There's uh, I, I haven't really looked either. Uh, okay. But there's um, there's. You know, I think that, you know, America, like, you know, you look at, like, when um, the technological advances since, um, uh, who is it, McConnell got into office in 1986. Well, McConnell, you know, there was no cell phones. There wasn't an Internet. You know, the attitudes that they carried from that point, that, that 
the, the attitudes and values that were instilled in their childhood and their, in their formidable co- college years, that's what they base their decisions on. Huh. And there's and so it's not like they're out of touch, but it's just that you know it's more towards I'm grounded in and you can imagine what happened back in the in the sixties when you had all these southerners who had been raised during the twenties and thirties in the South and how they felt about civil rights. Yeah. Have Lyndon Baines Johnson come in there and say, We're gonna change this because it isn't right. Well, you know, they formed in nineteen forty eight they had the Dixiecrats run for office and, and or for, split the Democratic Party and then they you know, had George Wallace running for office and for president. So, um, you know, Shelby started in, in uh, 1970 as a state senator in Alabama, and he finally retired at, at 2023. And so, you know, that's 50, 53 years, and or 52, if you say that this, the term ended on January 6th or, or January 1st or 2nd, whatever, in 2023. That's a long time in politics. It is. And then longer you know, than I've been alive. Yeah. So you have different attitudes by then, and you know, even your state, Texas, you know, there's John Cornyn, and he's been there for quite a while too. So, uh, but you know, Austin has seen a, a huge increase in in, in boomers and, and uh, not boomers, but. Um, uh, different attitudes from the West Coast and, and you know, more of a progressive, uh, um, more of a, you know, not a progressive, but a more of a, a technologically driven attitude towards things. And, you know, he's been in, Corning's been in office since 2002. So, and before that, he was Attorney General. But, uh, but when he got into office, um, you know, John Cornyn was 50 as U.S. Senator. So I'm just saying that there is a an energy level that the country requires because it moves so fast, driven by technology, that the attitudes and values that people have almost a generation or two generations ago don't relatively sync with the a younger generation or, or a generation that they're like millennials but Gen X or something where they like, well, this is where we're at now. What you represent is, yes, you may have wisdom for us, but you're, but, and I'm assuming that there's their values that you are instilled with and attitudes that you were instilled with back in your formidable years that don't necessarily represent where our country needs to go right now. And I can hear a lot of people, maybe a lot of people may think this is, you know, a, a crass attitude. But if I could have Barack Obama for a third term, I'd vote for him. Am I going to vote for somebody who's 81 or 82 next year? When I have Gavin Newsom out in California, which probably won't set well with Texas, or Amy Klobuchar, or some other younger person who's got the the, the, the credentials that can actually, uh, you know. Barack Obama was a uh, was a unique figure. But Barack Obama was 18 hours. You know, after dinner, he was back in the office reading book, reading papers. He was constantly moving, constantly going. 
because he knew what the office was and what a grind it was. So I've basically, if I haven't, I've totally irated everybody else yet <laughs> in your audience. Oh, no. We like new ideas here. We like new ideas. So the 28th Amendment is what you want to call Is there any nickname or tagline to refer to it as? It's the next amendment. It's the, the what amendment? The next amendment. Next amendment. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a an age thing, or it's not a it's, it's not necessarily term limits because we don't measure it in terms. We measure it in in calendar years. And okay. You know, and it's basically a public. You could call it a public service amendment if you want, uh, because that's basically what you're. It is. You're you're there for a certain amount of time, and then you, you know. Are, yes, you got 12 elections to deal with if you're a House member, or four if you're a senator, or three if you're a senator. Before, but anyway, you're, there's a lot to do there. But what I don't like is when people get committee assignments and there's and they you can't pry them out. Yeah. And um, yeah, who's that senator from Iowa? Um, it's not Ernst. It's the other one. Grasswell, I think his name is, or, um, you know, he's 90 years old. He's been part of the, of the uh, Grassley, that's it. And he's been there since, he's 89, he's been in there, he was a representative in 1975 for the 3rd District and until 1981. So he's been in there since 1981. You know, he holds a huge sway with the Farm Bill. Because he's one of those 43 senators that that deal with corn, and um, he's the uh, he serves as the longest. He's one of the longest serving members of U.S. Congress. So, you know, John Jingle was in there for 59 years, and then uh, Bird was in there for 57. And there's you know there's people who've been in there for a long time, but you can see why the younger generation doesn't want to vote for any of these people because they don't really represent them. Sure. Makes sense. Sure. And, you know, most of these people who were longest serving in um, uh, retired, resigned, died. In fact, the ones that I'm looking at over the years, uh, there's only one I see that was defeated, which was a long time ago. But this in the 1800s. But uh, the top Dingle was in there for 59 years, so he retired. And then Bird was in there for 57. He died. And then uh, there was one from Daniel Inouye in Hawaii. He died. So uh, there's people that I mean, I want you to look at this if your your audience is geared to the youth. Is that the youth need to cultivate their own leaders, and they need to be able to to get behind them so that when they show up the voting block at the polls, they're going to say, okay, this is our voice, this is our generation, this is who we need right now at this time. And, you know, uh, we this is the attitude, this is the, our attitudes, and this is where we want our country to go. So... I'm not casting the, uh, the ages amount, but if my retirement age is 65, I'm looking forward to my retirement. I'm not looking forward to something I get to do in my retirement. 
Okay. You know, I don't know if that is is that discriminatory. Yes, there is age with wisdom, or wisdom with age. But how do you convince somebody who's seventy years old to talk to somebody who's thirty-five that this is the way you need to go? As opposed to somebody who's fifty, who says, "Look, kid, I've been here for sixteen years. I know where you want to go. Let's go this way." I, I mean, I, I want to mentor you. I want you. Want to, I want not only I want to mentor you. I want to get involved in your ideas. If I'm 70, 75 years old, I'm not interested in what you know. You're just somebody I have to talk to. Interesting perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's a matter of flexibility as well. Older people may be more set in their ways. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and the other thing that shows up in the ballots, if you want to look at this, if you have, uh, if there's ballots in states that say just mark your party on top, you know, if you want all Democrats or all Republicans, those are something that, you know, you're not voting for character then or the, the, the character of the candidate, you're voting for the party. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of character of the candidate that needs to be defined. And you get some people like, uh, I don't know if Georgia has it, but there's some there's some hotheads in the in the uh, in the house. There's some people who are you just question their character in particular. I can think of Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. You know, he was all Trump's a complete idiot. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. To he has to kiss the ring every time he mentions Trump. So uh, these are people who you know are. are you don't know who they, where they stand. They don't hold themselves accountable. You know, Lindsey Graham was an unindicted co-conspirator in the Georgia case, and yet you can see him try to squirm out of it. So, anyway, that's a different story. This isn't, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of things that there's a reformation that needs to happen in this country. The, the pride, basically, the parties out of controlling both voting and redistricting. Yes, and your argument is very pertinent because in the last election, one of the criticisms was we have these two, they're both were old. They're both old, and then some people, a lot of people are afraid that we're going to have the same thing again. Those two guys are going to run again against each other. Right. Um, Who was the senator, Mel Pat, the representative? who ran against uh, Greg Abbott in Texas. Um, Beto. Uh, yeah, Beto's. He was somebody who, you know, this is energy and character that is sitting, that is waiting to take over or, or waiting to ascend into the Senate race or something like that, which, you know, but the, the attitudes are, well, that's, you know, I don't know what Texas is. Texas is pretty conservative. They want things to stay the way, you know, most southern states want a little bit of repetition and uncertainty. But this is energy like Katie Porter, like I said before, Katie Porter in in, in um, California, who can go in front of Jamie Dimon and say, your people can't survive on what you're paying them for, minimum, for starting pay. And Dimon says, yeah, I'm going to look into that, and you made a change. And if she loses that race to uh, Adam Schiff, 
you know, that's that's the Elizabeth, that was the next Elizabeth Warren, or the next Bernie Sanders that was going to be coming into into office. And, and that that segment of a population that says, this is not good for us, you know, what corporations are doing and what, how people are getting shafted or whatever the banks are, that voice has died down. So, you know, you can imagine the corporate people or the, the campaign contributors who would rather have Adam Schiff than Katie Porter, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, of big money from a lot of banks and corporations that would rather have Adam Schiff than Katie Porter. I assume that. I don't know that. So, you know, uh, we had a Senate in our Senate race last year or two years ago with Susan Collins. We had a, a, a candidate who was, you know, more liberal and progressive, she was running against the Speaker of the House, and Emily's list was able to just uh, – this is for the Democratic nomination. Emily's list was able just to send out a, an email, and next thing you know, this Speaker has $7 million. Well, Chuck Schumer wanted this Speaker to be the candidate because he didn't want another – Betsy Sweet was a, more of like a, um, a progressive like um, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Chuck Schumer didn't need another headache in the Senate. He wanted somebody who can comply or get get in line with what he's thinking. And there, you know, there's there's something to be said about community assignments too, because a lot of things don't get brought up because the people in charge don't want to, you know, don't want to put them out. They don't want they want their position to be to be set. So, yeah. I hope I haven't given you too much, but <clears throat> no, it's good stuff. Good stuff is like I was saying, it's a perspective. We talked a lot about a lot of issues on this podcast, a lot of different reform ideas. This one is distinct. It's something new, so I'm glad we brought it to the table today. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy to. I'm glad you called me and reached out to me, and I was happy to uh, um, share in it. And then if you want the alternative presidential primary schedule, I can send that to you also. So Yes, yeah, I would like to look at that. So for our audience, how can they help you in your efforts? Um, right now I'm I'm kinda locked in on taking care of my dad. So oh, okay. um, you know, he's in hospice and I'm trying to get done. Um but you know, there's there's it's just on the twenty eighth amendment. The twenty eighth is what the name of the Facebook page is. Okay. A federal, it's a term limit, but it really should, I should change that to it should be a, a term of service, uh, a federal term of service uh, constitutional amendment. Okay. Um, I don't want to get affiliated with Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz is going on the basis of something that happened back in, you know, what one of the founding fathers said, like I said before, that, you know, well, they should serve two Senate terms and three House terms. Well, that was a totally different thing back then. Yeah. But Cruz is a, uh, Senator Cruz is a uh, originalist, so he took those terms, even though he's now on his third term, or he's going to be running for his third term as a U.S. Senator. So, yeah. technically, if you had, if you had any, uh, uh, integrity, he would just not run for the third term because exactly. that he was Yeah, we could use someone else. Yeah. We could definitely use someone else. Yeah, and you know, Beto's, uh, Beto uh, was 
uh, uh, you know, these are these are these type of energetic candidates, and I'm going to use that word loosely, energetic, but these kind of populist. Hey, there's, they speak to a younger generation. These are the ones that need to be cultivated by the generations of Gen X and Millennials. Like, okay, I get what you're saying. And then you got to hold them accountable. You got to hold them to their integrity and say, you said this. Why aren't you doing this? You know, John Stewart of the Daily Show was great at calling people out. He said this. Now this doesn't happen. Glaring example: Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. You said Trump was a, an absolute disaster, and now you 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 have to say his name just to keep your base in line. So now you're basically running scared. So. <clears throat> yeah. Mike, thank you for coming on the podcast today and talking about your novel reform idea. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me on there, and I will. Send the alternative. Uh, actually, I'll just—it's a document, and I'm not—you know—I'm—I've just got the cusp of the computer age, so I'll try to figure out how to send it over to you in, in the message. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. We wish you all the best in your personal, professional endeavors and everything you do in life. All right. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Take care and all the best. All right. Bye bye.